Southeast Radio's morning mix. Good morning, Alan. You've had a chance to listen to Father Peter there. Before I get on to the core of our discussion, and it's a comment that has come in from a morning mix listener that I'm going to bring to your attention. Um, just when it comes to his suggestion about the landlords there, what do you think? Look, I think in all, everything we're doing, everything um, that will help the situation, you know, must be looked at. We've made suggestions in my group, the regional group, about landlords and assistance. I have many landlords who do want to move back into their own properties, but who are also selling their properties simply because they can't deal with the Residential Tenancies Board. It's a very difficult organisation. I have first-hand experience on behalf of constituents myself. It's also very difficult now with all the rules and regulations that keep changing to keep a property. You know, you have to have quite a lot of money to keep a property to the standard of which is required if you are what they prefer to now be called property owner. So, I mean, you had Pamela O'Leary on yourself and people are in very difficult situations. Pamela fully understands that the person she's renting the house from needs to sell the property, but there isn't another home for her to go to. And therein lies the problem. And now I have a very contentious text that has come in. When I say contentious, it's a view of a morning mix listener who has given us her phone number and her full name. And I'm just going to call her Mary for the purpose of this text. She says, this is, her, this is not my view, or it's not your view, or it's not the view of the radio station, but it is being reflected to me by quite a lot of people at the moment, so I'll share it with you. This country is just a free-for-all when it comes to refugees. Handed houses, cars, weeks' wages, they pay no rent, no car expenses, vouchers for them to have their hair done. Where is it going to end? My husband and I have always worked. Now it's not paying us to work. I understand you have to look after people fleeing war, but come on, should they not pay their way like any Irish person has to? do. Now, can you look at that text in general from from the, the, I've called the listener Mary and reflect on it because what element of what she said is absolutely, is actually happening to the best of your knowledge, Verona? Yeah, there's there's an element of that and I think what we do is we are here to give them safe passage until this war is over and initially to put a roof over their head and to accommodate them until they can settle themselves. But I think this is the whole point, Alan, that where possible, we have, we're at full employment and I think ultimately we need to be able to use the Ukrainian population and anybody that comes to this country to enter the workforce and we need to put a process in place that allows that to happen as speedily as possible and that we are far from having a speedy process let me tell you you know the only thing is that it has been tested in the courts and where we have international protection applicants whose asylum application has not been processed inside of six months they are entitled to seek employment Mm. the problem we have is that quite often where we house uh, international protection applicants and many of our refugees, they are in rural parts of the country where we don't have the infrastructure that would allow them to take a job in the nearest town centre or even anywhere that they might access without a car or public public transport. And that's where our planning falls down. We absolutely have to put a system in place where it's practical practical for communities mm. to allow people to integrate, not just socially, but in the economic sphere and take a job where those jobs are available. Mm. 
Yeah, but when it comes to what uh, this listener has suggested about handouts, like cars, wages, uh, hair, hair vouchers, etc. I mean, I, I have visited a lot of people. I, was just wanna, I would just want to give a, a balanced approach to this. I've met a lot of people who've come in, and they've absolutely nothing. They've come with nothing. But, I mean, yeah. are there people getting what this listener suggested? Are they actually getting all these, these uh, extra bonuses? Nothing that an Irish person in the same situation wouldn't get. I mean, when it comes to if, for instance, the department are unable to provide transport to school for the children of an applicant or whatever, there may be a contribution made towards whatever form of transport they would require, whether it be a car or whatever, but it's a very, very limited one-off payment. It certainly wouldn't be... It's not something that happens very often. You will... You will hear they get medical cards. Yes, they absolutely do get medical cards, but that medical card is the very same medical card that would be given Mm. to someone who is Irish and resides here and who can't access services. There is no queue jumping. It's the same. Uh, You won't get dental treatment because we don't have any dentists in the system. But the reality is that we, at some point, Alan, in the future, because we are are at full employment, Mm. we are going to need people to come and work in Ireland and what we should be doing is putting a system in place that turns this around so that these people don't rely and many of them are working Alan and I know many of them I know for instance four people who work from they're living in Hocus they work in a business which is some 30 uh, kilometres round trip for them to get to and their employer collects them and brings them home it's a 60k round trip for the employer daily but they're Again, it's a problem where we are placing yeah. any of our refugees or our international okay. protection. Okay, I'm under a little bit of time constraint because I have to go to a minister about a big event that's taking place for small and medium enterprise. But I, I just want to raise another couple of issues and we can discuss this in more detail at a later date, in far more detail because the texts and comments are coming in. Here's the big question. What point are we at breaking point? Not just with finance, but with the services. What point when we when we simply just cannot do anymore? Are we at that point? Yeah, I think it's very evident that we're at that point when we have seconded the tents that were available for people attending a weekend electric picnic for residential accommodation for either refugees or international protection applicants. I think that is uh, a serious breaking point. It's oversaturation. We are looking at every building that's possible um, that we can house refugees. Now, we have obligations, there is no doubt, but the real obligation we have is to provide housing and not just for refugees or international protection applicants, but for all. And I think that's where we're falling down. If we are unable to provide housing and make headway, and we, by the way, Alan, we have a deficit in housing of 250,000 housing units in the past 10 years. And just to catch up on that, we'd be looking at building 25,000 units alone per annum. Our total target, never mind the deficit, Mm -hmm. for future planning is only 30,000 units. The the Housing Commission itself says we need in the region of 60,000 houses. So the more applicants that come through our doors, I mean, we have economic applicants. There's no doubt about that. People who are coming here for economic prosperity, they're not fleeing wars. We have to be able to ascertain that and use Mm -hmm. and improve the process so as that we can remove 
those who are not genuine applicants, who are not fleeing a war and who can be returned to wherever, whatever country it is that they came from. We have got to start to use our immigration system and the way it's been, the way it's been implemented at this point in time is not the way it was intended to work. Right, strong comments. Uh, we have to round off uh, as I went to go to Minister Richmond, but before I do that, I know you want to, uh, to give a comment on the drug seizures uh, and your major concerns uh, about uh, what many people have described as a drug, drug epidemic in parts of County Wexford at the moment and the failures of authority and society to deal with it. So what is the comment you'd like to make on that? Well, I'd I just like people to be aware of the actual significance for society of this drug seizure. It's upwards, they're now quoting figures of almost 200 million in relation to the seizure. But that, Alan, is actually for society. You know, I have parents of adult children contacting me day on day around the county whose children are addicts. And because they are unable to access services, the parents have no control. Nobody will talk to them because of GDPR. I have one father who contacted me. His daughter was arrested. In her, she's in her 30s. She was arrested 15 times in 21 days because of her drug addiction and the antisocial behaviour that comes from being an addict whilst misusing a substance. And I think if you look at that, there are doctors involved, there are guardians involved, there are people people like her father who are working, who have to come to the scene. All of these things are occurring in multiple thousands of instances daily because we have not resourced our defence forces, our naval services. We have eight ships. We probably have the best fleet of naval ships in Europe at this point in time and we only have enough personnel to actually man two of them. We are an island nation and there needs to be, the government needs to join the dots on this and society must encourage that because in in policing our waters, in preventing the drugs from landing, we are actually saving society multiples of millions if not billions from the effects of it getting into society and I can't stress that enough I think these are the things that people may not think of and they think they don't know anybody who's using drugs, everybody knows someone, they just may not be aware of it and I think it, it Michael O'Sullivan who is now one of our leading uh, drug policemen in the country and, and was and is now with Interpol, he says we have 8% of the population who are substance abusers and I think that's quite a large portion if you add it into the already ailing okay. health system that we're pumping billions into so it's the significance and planning and it's an investment that's required here to save society Southeast Radio's Morning Mix Southeast.